I almost feel like I need to say greetings from the other side. Um, I belong mostly out there with the little people, and you guys are like the grown-ups. So it's very exciting to see what happens after the, the mass exodus occurs. Um, one of my jobs is to take Frankie to the toilet. Um, yeah, that's a big part of my morning, so hopefully that's happening. Um, I think he really likes the, uh, well, it's the routine and it's the one-to-one conversational time. Um, just not to alarm you, other children I'd leave and, you know, don't converse with them while they're toileting, but Frankie and I have a special uh, time there. And um, the strange thing is that all happens slightly through that uh, stage curtain. There's an exposed part, which always freaks me out as a preschool uh, teacher because everything is quiet and under control and there's a door I have to open and there's a moment where we could escape onto the stage and I have panics about <laughs> anyone who's going to the toilet bursting through, which is how I spend my Sunday mornings um, while you're all doing lovely things in here. But one time he said, Charlotte, let's just stay in here a little bit longer because I want to hear the big people and they get to sing lots of songs after we go. I was thinking about that this morning as we worship, that I got to join in with the big people who sing more songs. We do sing, we sing that Fruit of the Spirit song a lot, so it's really nice to have a wee break, um, but I can break into it. If anything goes wrong, that will be fine. Um, this is our third um, Sunday in the series of peace that we've been doing with our BVC topic of joy and peace and coming up as depth. And we've looked at, um, you know, like having a lifestyle of peace, we've looked at the command to Sabbath, and so today I'm kind of going to bring it, internalize it a bit more and look at us as people who are carriers of peace and people of peace. And um, the title um, that Sam said, quick, you need to have a title if you're going to be, you know, like a real speaker. Um, so there's nothing more hypocritical, or as Grace said, hypocrite in transition, than um, writing a convincing title, because um, that's how you know you're truly sermonizing. So I, um, I went with journeying into deeper peace and... Uh, my lovely friend Sarah, uh, one of her words of wisdom is that you wouldn't trust a skinny cook. So if you can follow the correlation in the same way, an anxious person who's highly uptight talking about peace, you can trust. Because you know, you know I'm journeying it with you, and I'm right there in the middle of it. Um, I really want in the small print to kind of say these are, the, these are the clarities of someone who's desperately trying to work it out herself. So um, for those of you who don't know me, um, really the truth about me is that I am a very anxious person. I get very stressed. I channel that into being quite organised, very organised. Um, lots of systems, planning, rosters. If you've encountered me in any way, it's done with love. But it is, um, there's a lot of uh, inflexibility in who I am. And um, it turns out that's okay but there's still quite a journey. So I, I grew up in Christchurch. I spent all of my life in Christchurch, and I pretty much lived in a very small radius from where I grew up. Very happy with that. Not a problem in the slightest. Very happy. There must be something in me that's a wee bit adventurous because I married Luke, and um, Luke is a wee bit different from me, and he is, uh, really likes adventure, goes out of his way to find adventure, and gets that unsettled feeling, whereas I'm very happy at home, mostly just in my lounge, with a cup of tea. That's, that's me out there on a good day. So I've really loved routine and structure, and particularly following the earthquakes, I really craved the sanctuary of routine and structure. And we, we decided to stay in Christchurch. We had a moment of, oh, what's the right thing to do here? We decided to stay, and we really anchored ourselves. We moved suburb, 
Um, we moved away from the east. The east was quite a scary place to live, and we, we lost our house. So we moved south, and it was a whole different world in Christchurch. And we really, we built a sanctuary for ourselves, and that's the word we used a lot. We created safety for ourselves and for our boys. And I was very happy, very, very happy. And the first time in my life that I started to feel a little restless, which is a very foreign feeling for me, uh, even when I wasn't a Christian, but the first time I started to feel a bit restless was the summer before, so the summer just um, 2017. And I started to have a very weird foreign feeling of just not, not being quite content. And that's very strange for me. And I didn't dare say it to Luke because if I was feeling not content, there's the possibility that he was wanting to do something reckless and crazy. And I thought, if I just keep a wee lid on this and we ride it out, um, things can stay status quo. So I, I didn't tell him. And I planned, I planned a wee overseas trip, actually, to Australia to see my brother. And I thought, that'll be it. I'll just, you know, I just need to do something a little bit different, a wee bit bold, and um, that'll be enough. So I, th- I thought that that was kind of enough and that that would be all right. But um, Luke also started to feel a little bit uh, restless. He uh, decided to leave his job. We decided that, um, we, yeah, I say that so easily now. He just decided to leave his job. It's totally fine. That's because it's one in a many line of things, so that's a piece of cake. Um, and we just, we, I thought maybe what it is is we're getting to that midlife kind of stage, and chronologically I get there a wee bit earlier than Luke, so maybe... Maybe we were midlifing it. Maybe this is what it is. Our kids have got a little bit older. That's before teenageness, so, you know, new adventures now. Our kids have got a bit older. We were really settled. We'd both, up to that point, had great jobs. I loved my job. Our house was great. We thought, well, maybe this is just adulting. Maybe this is what it looks like. Maybe it is just that long stretch and, and you do your house up or you, you buy something or you just settle in. And something about that really frightened me because I, I'm not ready to be an adult and I also didn't want that to be adulting because that might mean there wasn't any, you know, anything kind of on the horizon. So we talked about it and we decided we'd totally redo our house as the solution. We would um, take the top off, put another story on, bang out some walls. That DIY was going to be the answer. And uh, so we started to pursue that. Now, I felt sick about that, but I thought... <laughs> It's good for Luke, and um, it's clearly the next step, and this is what adults do. I didn't want to buy a boat or a caravan or, you know, the other things you people do, but we did the DIY thing. So we were, we were pursuing that, and one of the books Luke got out was a book that looks at just kind of analysing your life and looking at who you are before you make decisions about renovating your house. Very wise book. Probably wasn't supposed to be the great spiritual awakening that it was when it was written, but it just hit the nail on the head because it talked about who are you, what defines you as a family, and this is what, how you should reflect your house. So, of course, if you want to have lots of people over, you build a really big kitchen dining. You know, if you want entertaining spaces. But what it did for us is it made us stop and think, who are we? Who, who actually are the Buxtons? What are the Buxtons about? What do we do? What do we, how do we work? And we worked out that we love church, and we loved our church. We love church, and we love serving in church, and we love looking after people and having people in our lives. That's who we are. So that was another interesting, all these things at the time felt very disconnected, but they were actually just pointing and pointing to a particular place we would come to. So there was that thought. We started to talk to each other about the fact that we were actually a little bit scared of our massive DIY project because we'd gone maybe a wee bit you know, over the edge. Um, and we just started to talk about the fact that there was this restlessness, but we didn't know what to do with it. And we um, putted along just thinking, well, that would hang and we would start to, 
you know, maybe crystallised who we were as a family and what we did in church. We knew something was coming. We didn't know what it was. We'd kind of been here a couple of times before, but we hadn't um, ever gone anywhere past that feeling. So we, um, things were fine. We had dinner with the Domigans, which is something we did often. This time the Harveys were coming as well, which was something that we hadn't done often. And this, for the record, is uh, April the 9th. Very important that uh, you know what this is. Um, so in the middle of the dinner, Sam was just asking us how we are, how we're doing, um, you know, what's going on with our lives. And Luke Buxton said these words. Yeah. <laughs> he said, I really need an adventure. And uh, they jumped on that and said, well, actually, have we got an adventure for you? And in that moment, everything went very still for me, because I thought these great thoughts, these great spiritual, this is the first words in my journey, I thought, we are sitting ducks for this. <laughs> we are sitting ducks for this. Suddenly, everything we've been talking about, the restlessness, where our lives are at, everything we've been saying kind of got into line right in front of me, and I thought, this is it. This is what we're going to do. Now, I, I am not spontaneous. I am not unplanned. I am very well thought through. And this weird moment happened where everything lined up. Now apparently my face wasn't maybe showing <laughs> what was happening in my heart. A lot was happening in my heart. But my face was showing something to the point where Luke thought, oh, Charlotte's not even going to consider this. She's already shut it down and locked it out. Because that's a good strategy if you live with someone who has crazy ideas. You just <laughs> shut them down. But I knew in that moment, I knew in that moment I am, we are sitting ducks for this. And, and a little while earlier, a few months earlier, I'd written down, because Luke had made a comment and I had thought, oh, I need to note that down, that Luke had felt really called to serve Sam. And it was an unusual statement because we don't talk like that. We talk about feeling called to serve a church or serve a movement or serve God, but he felt really called to serve Sam. And that was, I'd written that down and I looked back on my phone and thought, ah, this is all starting to line up. So apparently I looked a little ill and... Um, not, not overly peaceful about it, but I knew. I knew in that moment. And it was sealed for me. I really know peace by a concrete feeling in my belly. Peace for me is not the absence of chaos. <laughs> it is not the absence of lists and, and having things in order. It's a belly peace, and I need it to be a strong belly peace. I am not the kind of person that's going to feel it just gently tingle on my fingers. It's got to hit here, and it's got to stay here. And I have not lost that belly peace in, what are we at, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 months since that moment. It has stayed. And I... Um, I sleep at night, every night, knowing that I have belly peace. I'm not a great sleeper because you have to get up and make lists in the night. It's quite important. <laughs> and it's quite important just to check things in the house, families, and doors. That's a significant part of what we call sleep. But I have slept every single night. And it's the strangest thing to give testimony. People say, do you know what you're doing? I'm like, yes, I sleep. But that is a sign of peace. If I can sleep and we can move, and we can do what we did, then I know God is good, and God is in this. And I, I wanted to share that with you, because I want you to know who I am. I, I don't um, plant churches. I don't leave my city. I would never have left my friends, and my family, and my job, and my firmly planted life if I didn't know that this was God. And I just, I wanted to orientate myself as well, because I never want to come across, because I know you've seen me at the front, and, and now I'm doing this, but it's really important to me that you know that this is God's work, 
And this is not unreachable for you. And this is right out there for me. And I was talking with a friend from Christchurch this week and said, it's so weird because I'm going to get up in front of people and you think I move cities and I plant churches. And we all know that's not true. (laughs) Except she said, ironically, that's exactly what you're doing. And I, I want you to be encouraged by that. There is new things on the horizon. There is more in God than you know. And I never would have thought this would have happened to me. And it would have actually been okay. It actually would have been okay, but there's so much more, and I have learned so much in this process. And all along, God's been very firm with me, and the only thing I've really tangibly heard from him is to not drag my feet. And that has been his strong word to me, because I could have passively, aggressively done this with Luke, or I could have done this for Sam, or I could have done this with the team very easily, because it's a great, you know, what a great idea, and what a great adventure on so many levels. But God spoke to me very firmly, and I know why he did that, because there's been so many times where I've had to stand up and actually be a grown-up, and I've had to be a big girl about situations that I've really wanted to stamp my feet about, and I've actually had to suck it up and gone ahead and, you know, made decisions about our family's lives, and he said, do not drag your feet, and that has been my peace, that has been my peace because I've stepped into um, what he's led me for, and what he's directed me into, and what he's built so many things for, so be encouraged, this is not a story from a person who ever intended to do this, but this is something that you can do, and this is something that's just one step away, listen to those thoughts that come at you, and those words from people, and those things, they are not disconnected, and really listen for his peace. Two verses that I've really hung on to, to do with peace. Uh, Colossians 3.15 talks about a peace that rules. Not the sappy, floaty peace. Not that kind of passive peace, but a peace that rules. And it's not an absence of those other noises and the chaos and the worry, but it's someone with strength and force. Peace can bring change. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. You are called to peace. It's not an option. You know, it's not something for those really chilled out, cool people that can kind of pull it off because they don't seem to worry. You are called to peace as a body. You are called to peace. Um, The other verse that I've really loved, Philippians 4, 7, which you can say so many times until you have to walk it out and really hang on to it. That's that peace that transcends our circumstances and transcends our fears. So yes, fears, yes, anxieties, but still peace. Peace that moves us beyond our limits, and it guards us. Peace that guards us, that's what is keeping me sleeping. That's what's holding the concrete for me. Do not be anxious about anything. Such interesting language. So actually, you're not allowed to be anxious about anything. So I've lived against that verse for a long, long time. I'll be anxious about most things. It would be nice if it said, look, Charlotte, try and not be anxious about a couple of things a day. That'd be a win. But it's actually, do not be anxious about anything, anything. And then you start thinking, oh, but if I'm not managing this, who's got it? But the call is, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. You know this verse. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. It is the peace of God that stands over us, and it guards our hearts and our minds. So whatever way you operate from, he's got it. He's guarding it. I've really had to learn that this peace needs to be contended for. It's not just going to come. 
and it's not just going to float its little way and you have to wrestle for it, which seems a little bit of a clash when you're talking about peace, but you will have to wrestle and contend for what it looks like in your life. You're not just going to say, gosh, I wish I could be really one of those people that is peaceful. I made a list of everything God had told us and spoken to us, situations that I'd faced in the build-up to coming here and wrote them on my phone so that I could recount the story. Because every so often someone would say, what you're doing makes no sense. And it kind of didn't. Because you don't resign from really good jobs and you don't sell in winter in Christchurch and then try and buy in Napier. <laughs> not a flash idea. And you don't move from where you've established. I mean, this is not only where I've grown up, this is where both sets of our parents are, our siblings are, our community is, our source of structure, everything that I would put my peace in a lot of people said really well-meaning people, and, and they're not wrong. It was a little odd to do what we did. But it's important not to say, oh, look, I'm floating out there and being really amazing and spiritual. These are the things that have happened. These are the truths. These are the things that are pointing me in the direction. And if I don't go, it doesn't matter. I wasn't, we weren't hanging on a word. We were really wanting to do uh, follow God's will for our lives. And there were lots of moments where, particularly... Um, talking to my boss. So we had a list of significant people we were talking to. Once we had had a kind of time of discernment about whether we were really doing this, once we had a very brave, tentative conversation with each other where I'm like, so I think I could do this. And then Luke kind of, we counted and we went back and forth for a while and we got there. We took about a month to really get there. It was significant for us. We really wanted to talk to Cass um, because it would be a significant time in his life that we were shifting him. And we wanted to know how he would take it. He was number one on our list. Um, number two on our list was talking to my parents. And talking to my parents was a really big deal. We don't naturally have um, spiritual conversations. But they, I knew that I needed to get their blessing. But I also knew that would be the most heartbreaking relationship to walk away from. My parents are incredibly involved in our lives. I've worked through having little kids, and my mum, my mum's going to be listening to this, my mum has held me together, and she has been incredibly significant, both of them have been incredibly significant parents, so we wanted to honour them and go to them next, and I feel like God gave them a little setup, and they kind of knew, because we started to tell them, we had them over, which clearly is, you know something's up, we had them officially over, we wanted to make an evening of it, but they very graciously gave us their blessing, as well as saying they would know the reality of how hard it was. The third conversation, we talked to Luke's parents, then I had to talk to my boss, and I loved my job. I um, trained people to be teachers. I lectured um, for, as a primary tutor, and I just loved my job. It was just fabulous. And it was a very weird thing to go and resign and say why, um, you know, to an organisation that are not Christians. And I really felt, I really felt God's presence and I wondered what would happen and we went out for coffee and I started to explain. And there were just lovely little things that happened. She just happened to tell me, she said, that's so strange you've said the word Napier because they're slowly starting to build a house here. And there's just lots of lovely little connections happen. Things, I felt God had gone before me. And I felt that I could trust him and lean into him. And it's those little things that happened that were massive things at the time that gave me the strength when we're looking at houses here and schools and what do we do with different situations and shifting. So those verses have been just strong anchors for me. And I know they're verses we use a lot, but look at them again. Look at what it's telling you to do. Don't be anxious. Pass it on. Pass it on and you will be guarded. So in terms of contending, 
know that the battle is won. You're not going into battle to make this peace happen first time ever. The battle's been won. You're stepping into his truth and his reality because he is the prince of peace. That's one of his names. So he brings peace. He reigns in peace. He rules in peace. And it's his, the Holy Spirit's job to comfort us, to remind us, to influence us and to prompt us and to walk us towards that peace and help us to hold on to it. So you're not facing this by yourself. There's something you can access. So when I say contend, you're not laying at the battle scene first time around. You're just stepping into what's there and really contending for it. Know this because you're supported and you're not alone. And when you wrestle for it, it will be there. It's not something you have to wrestle, think, oh, will it be on that other side? Peace will be there. It's been promised to you. Uh, John 14, 27, the context around Jesus' words, he's comforting his disciples. He's doing that right. Here's the last of the things you need to know as things start to wrap up for his time on earth. This is how it's going to work. This is how it's okay. He says to them, verse 25, I've told you these things while I'm still with you, but the helper, that's the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the counselor, the strengthener, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things. He will help you to remember everything I've told you. And then he says to them, peace I leave with you. My perfect peace I give to you, not as the world gives you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. There's that sense again of bring it into line. Let my perfect peace, this is the Amplified, it's beautifully said. Let my perfect peace calm you in every circumstance and give you courage and strength for every challenge. It's perfect peace. It will actually work in every circumstance. It will work in every area of your life. And it's been left with us. And it doesn't look like the world's peace. Now, I'm interested in the fact that the world actually offers a lot of peace. There's actually a lot of talk about peace mindfulness, calm, serenity. There's a lot of very acceptable talk. If you said to someone, I really want to get some peace in my life, very acceptable language because everyone is looking for it. But specifically, this is the peace that the world doesn't offer. This peace um, belongs to a person. The Holy Spirit brings peace. It belongs to the Prince of Peace. It's peace that is tangible. It's peace that will change and it's peace that will last. I still (laughs) wake up and think, oh yeah, I slept. That's good. It's a good sign. It's peace that will last. And I think it's a significant thing that we think of it as not being peace that the world offers. Because I can make peace for myself. That means I do a load of washing. Gosh, I find laundry satisfying. (laughs) And I don't want to know if anyone else does, because I know it's a bit weird. But the process of cleaning and then refolding, and just it it causes a peace. No? (laughs) No. Okay. I've outed too much about myself. I love laundry. Um, But what it does is it creates peace for me because it creates order. It's a small, finite task. Okay, So if it's not laundry for you, you will have small, finite finite tasks that you like. Bring me your laundry. I got it. (laughs) Another thing, sweeping up crumbs. Very satisfying. Wiping benches. Excessively satisfying. (laughs) My poor children have lived a long time with me. But I can create peace. I can make peace work in my house. But I will be a whirlwind until it's done, and you will not want to be in my way because there's no, there's no peace at the centre of it. It is just a lot of yelling and a lot of order. Because I can make peace, but it is not peace from God and it is not peace that's coming out of anything other than my own strength, and it lasts about 15 minutes because someone will use a cup. Whole thing's a disaster. 
And if you're thinking about where I find people, I live like seconds from a beach and I'll end up sitting in my lounge just like, oh, the order, straighten a curtain, fix a No. It's not, um, you know, it's okay. But what I'm saying is there's peace. You can get peace for yourself. You can find something that you do that causes peace. Be very aware of the fact that it's you and it's not coming from God. And underneath it, goodness, there'll be a lot of anxiety and running around that's attached to it. Go to him for his peace. It is a process. It is a process to get there. I am so learning to do these things and have not arrived. I think it's important, too, to say that there's nothing wrong with the doing because I'm a doer, and you can actually get a lot of peace from doing, but it's just making sure that that's not what defines you. Um, I think as we also learn to use our peace as a demarcation that sets us apart from the world, people will see that we carry something, and people will um, ask us what we carry, and we can, we can tell them about Jesus, and we can tell them about who he is in our lives. I haven't managed to find my ultimate Sabbath rhythm yet. I've been thinking about it a lot this week and trying to get that right. But I have started to find pockets of time that I, I can prioritise. And it's still that sense of snatching time. I haven't quite got to the part where it's time set apart that I can just relax into. But it's a, it's a rhythm I want to establish. And I want to move beyond prioritising tasks to get them done and actually stepping into that piece. Now, um, you can imagine then that I'm a fan of Martha in the Bible. And I've been a strong defender of Martha because she gets a bad rap. And um, she's fabulous. Yeah, go Martha. I'm historically kind of offended for her. And, and at the same time, I admire her because also I just I'm, feel so awkward for her because she said to Jesus... Tell her to do the job she's supposed to be doing to Jesus. And, and we act like that, but physically he was in front of her and she told on Mary to him and said, I'm very, very busy and very busy and she's doing the thing of just the sitting around and you tell her to do the thing she's supposed to be doing. I'll read you from uh, Luke 10. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Lovely. Lovely. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made because she was making them. She came to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? To his face. It's amazing. Tell her to help me. Then he says, Martha, Martha. You are worried and upset about many things. So he's looking right through her, not the dishes and the meal that she's organizing and not the busy, busy, busyness that she's, you know, probably banging a few pots just so he knows. Quite busy in here, very busy. <laughs> he looks right through her and says, you are worried and upset about many things. Not the things I'm seeing here, many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will be not be taken away from her. A little bit of advice. I would have, as Jesus, not pointed out the Mary thing and just have said, you know, there's other ways of doing this. I feel there's this <laughs> inciting of the sibling rivalry where he's showing them up against each other. Lovely for us as an example, biblical teaching example. 
But I think it's just so awkward, the whole situation. I would so be in the kitchen, and I'd be making a very big... So I'm very busy, being busy, banging pots, dishes, saying, I'd love to take your cup of tea, or I'm just a bit busy, and really eyeing those people that were spending that quality stillness and time with Jesus, and really blessing them as they, as they chose not to be in the room. Because I've opened the home up, I'm serving, and they're going to be hungry... And if I hadn't done what I had done, what are they going to do then? All you're sitting around time with Jesus, what are you going to do? And I have backed her. I have backed this woman because she's what gets things done. That's your hospitality team right there. She's probably got the kids by her feet. She... <laughs> she's probably got the kids by her feet managing them at the same time just to free up the people. Has it might, could be the worship team, Chris. I didn't want to you know, label it. But this is what holds churches together. It's what holds families together. It's what holds community together. And he's not looking at that. And I would like to say, but surely, you know, if you got a little hungry, you'd be really grateful that someone had got you a cup of tea. But he's not looking at that at all. He's not looking at that at all. And I bet she got louder and louder. and louder. No, come in, you go. No, it's fine. Go ahead. No, you sit down. No, it's, I'm busy in here. You know, you go. Enjoy Jesus. Just No, he's just in the other room with Mary. Hmm. Yeah, no, and she's no, she's on the floor. No, you won't see her. No, no, she's there. No, she's been there all the very devoted. Mm. and banging, just a lot of banging. I feel her. But what is that that he's looking at? Looking through her, that fear, that fear of the stillness, her fear of solitude, her fear of what if I had to be quiet and still. Her fear that says, if I don't do this, that over-sense of responsibility. I bet in her heart she wanted to get in that room. I bet she did. I bet she was busting her gut, showing him, serving you, I'm serving you, I'm serving you. And I feel for her, because I have done that so many times. I have prioritised the wrong thing. We've done that so many times. And we've resented the person that can just come into Jesus' presence. We've resented the people that can stop that can stop and be with him. That is available to all of us. That is available to all of us. And he's looking right through her. The hardest thing I've found about trying to set up Sabbath is the ability to stop and be still. And there's a lot of fear for me. And what will I find in that stillness? What will come to this? Oh, no, let's busy, busy. What will come? I'm doing the daily office, and the first task is two minutes of stillness, silence, and solitude. Oh my goodness, it's a mountain to climb. And if I've made, I've got to the point, last week I got to the point where I could get the two minutes, I killed the stillness and solitude by celebrating, woo, I made it to two minutes. I thought that's probably not the spirit of the devotion <laughs> to celebrate that you can go to two minutes, but I got there and it was very exciting. <laughs> no, it's not good because I'm supposed to move past that. You're very encouraging. I've got to get better. But it, there is a scary reality I'm facing that I haven't wanted to face. And I fear that same thing for Martha. Mary chose what is better and it will not be taken away from her. She has gone for deeper peace and it won't be taken away from her. And Martha, it would be the same for her. It wouldn't have been taken away from her either. So it's, the point is not the busyness and the doing because, gosh, we need those people. The only reason I'm standing here is because there's a phenomenal team of people working with children in that room and another team of people working in the library 
and that they are not to do it out of busyness either. And an interesting thing happened to me this week. I felt the pressure of being two people, uh, preparing for preschool and preparing for here. And I was telling God that I was feeling quite anxious about that because I'm, you know, structured people don't like to have multiple things on the go. You do want to get, do one thing, do it very well, is the rule. And I was telling him that's what I was feeling anxious about. And Mike Moriarty, who is out in the preschool right now, um, spoke to me on, I saw him at school on Friday, and he said, you know what, I'm going to come early on Friday, I'm going to really help you get set up. I'll help you do it so that you don't have to think about it. Now, he answered the thing that I was anxious about, but the first thought that came into my mind is, oh, no, Mike, that's fine. No, Mike, don't do that. I don't want you doing that. I've got it. I've got it. I marthered. I just about marthered. But luckily, the stuff's been in my head that I said, thank you. (laughs) And it was very, very odd for me because I have worked hard to set up something and I want it to go well and guess what I found it hard to let it go and I don't want to fall into that trap because there's no peace in that the peace comes from the community there is a community of people making something happen beautifully and it was an exact answer to what I had been talking to God about exactly what I needed I needed someone to come and say I'll shift that completely and he did and it was incredible that's Sine's husband just there thank you yeah Yep, that was Sine's husband. Good. <laughs> so it's not the doing. It's not the serving that's wrong either. It's the heart. And it's been a really good lesson for me to know to be involved in Bay Kids and to really have to give and to be part of that team and to share the vision and to share what I want to see happen so that we can support each other. And it really is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing that it's happening. What Mary did in the powerfulness of this picture also is that she was counterculture. She was sitting as a woman in Jesus's, at Jesus' feet, and she was carrying peace. And that's what was missing in Martha, the carrying of the peace. And I think either if we're busy or we're stopped, we need to be carrying his presence. We need to, even if we're working really hard to serve him, we need to carry his presence. I know the difference. If I'm working hard to serve him, but I'm grumpy in that room, then I'm not going to set up the atmosphere for the kids to come in. If I'm working hard to serve him because I want them to feel comfortable and at home and I want them to enjoy their time and learn about Jesus, then I'm still busy, but I'm carrying his presence. Um, In Peter Scazzaro's book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, fabulous book, um, one of the symptoms of being emotionally unhealthy in your spirituality is using God to run from God. And he talks about, this really spoke to me, he talks about a trap of how we do God's work, especially, you know, when you're new as a church, there's quite a few things you could do for God. Things like doing God's work, but to satisfy ourselves, or really demonstrating our excellent Christian behaviours so that significant people will think well of us. The list goes on, but what they do in me is they produce a lack of peace because it's not what I've been called to in planting a church and it's not what I've been called to with Bay Kids, but I will fall into it if I don't hold on to peace. Another aspect of doing for God is, another aspect of that unhealthiness is the doing for God instead of being with God which the Martha and Mary story really illustrates. That's the trap. Thinking that things will fall apart unless I persevere alone and hold things together myself. It's so wrong and it's so tempting because I think that um, the thing I've learned from my Bay Kids team is the importance of being vulnerable and saying, I actually need, I need help. Or if you just give me 20 minutes my brain will calm down and I'll tell you what you can do to help me. It's still a struggle, but it's really pivotal to model 
especially to our children, but as part of our church community. And that's why we have that verse that Bay Kids, we want to be um, encouraged by each other. We want to have that reciprocal encouragement happening, which actually requires a whole lot of vulnerability. And we want to see that happening in our church as well. Um, A quote from that book that I've really been clinging to in this season is, work for God that is not nourished by a deep interior life with God will eventually be contaminated by other things, such as ego, power, needing approval of and from others, and buying into the wrong ideas of success and the mistaken belief that we cannot fail. This does not bring or bear peace. Our activity for God can only properly flow from a life with God. So activity, not bad. Doing, not bad. Serving, not bad. It must come out of an interior life that is with God. So you are working with him. And that that is the lesson from Martha and Mary. Not the doing and the not doing, but what he looked inside and said, Martha, you are worried about many things. He was speaking to her lack of peace. So this is the challenge. What is our source? His peace comes from time and his presence. And isn't it a beautiful thing that we can do this? And I'm surprised every time as soon as I get there, I'm like, oh, there you are. And whatever works for you, I love putting on worship music. I've loved that song this week. I've played it to death. This is how I fight my battles. It's a Bethel song. It's very simple, but it is just going into his presence and being with him. I think that sense of stripping away and part of that process of us moving from Christchurch to Napier, physically things have happened to us that has stripped away uh, our comfort and our structures. And, and for me, a lot of my identity was in my job because I loved it, because I felt I was um, doing great work for God in it, because you know there was a lot of 20s and 30-year-olds that I could mentor and speak into their lives and it's part of education, which I believe is so important. With that stripped away... It's really had me face, who actually am I? Where is my worth? And it's a really different lifestyle not getting up and going to work. And it's a really different lifestyle not saying what I do. And, and I've found other things. I've started studying and, I'm, and working for um, church in terms of what we're doing with Bay Kids. But it's been a stripping away. And, and that won't happen to all of you, um, you know, circumstantially. But it is a great question to ask. What is at my core And what am I doing for God or doing that I'm not facing up to some things within myself? Uh, Like Sam said, you know, sometimes you need to get this from an understanding uh, to a reality, from your head to your heart. We can learn these things and know these things, but when we walk it out, it's really different. So don't be afraid to question yourself. What is behind your anxiety? Uh, What is the source of your lack of peace? What are you holding on to instead that you're not able to um, reach out to God and, and receive the Holy Spirit's peace. Like I said, the daily office has been a godsend for me because it's a structured quiet time which I crave and it's forcing me to be still and it's forcing me to be silent and it's forcing me to sit in that solitude and it's a real learned behaviour but it's been something I can feel that I can carry with me throughout the day and it's been enough for me that I can get through a day and there's a beautiful way to finish the day as well. And I think that um, in that hustle, that busyness of busyness, that kind of noise, it's so important to have things to hold on to. One I just read the other day was um, one of the wee kind of devotion verses. says, when I'm still, compulsion gives way to compunction. Compunction is the, the puncturing or the pricking of something. So that compulsion, which is really something that drives me, gives way to compunction. That is, God can break through the many layers with which I protect myself so I can hear his word and be poised to listen. 
It's just the stripping back of things. And I know as capable people, and as people, especially as our church is starting, there's a real thrill of the ride. And I think we need to be careful that we are not mistaking that for what the Holy Spirit is calling us to, that need to be still and to know his presence and to seek after his joy and his peace and his depth. Now, I know um, that I've talked a lot about doing, and that's because I'm naturally wired that way, but I know there are people that, um, people that have a kind of, I guess, more mellow approach to life. I feel like I'm talking completely foreign here because it's not how I see things. But I do know that there is a, a culture of indecision and a culture of just being chill about something that is equally as dangerous as the doing because the lack of decision is still a lack of peace. There is anxiety underneath the, hey, chill, no worries. It's cool, I'm just going to float over here and do whatever. There is still anxiety under that. So it's, it's still, um, I can't speak to that personally, because sometimes I look at that and think, that'd be quite nice just to, <laughs> just to float along for a bit. But I, it's still a brokenness. And is, if, if you're a person like that, I think you'll still be aware that there's anxieties that hold that chillness together. So what I want um, is to really make a point of difference at Bay Vineyard. I want us to be a community of peace that does this together, that exudes peace, um, that can be a community that really values peace, which is why it is one of our values. And it's going to be really counterculture because we're going to get busy. And it is busy in here. But we need to make sure that we are anchored in his peace. Because remember, the serving and doing is not wrong. It needs to come from an interior life of peace, not as the world gives. And we want to be people that promote healing and, and talk about anxiety and talk about mental illness and talk about the things that we can see in our lives that are still broken. We want to draw people together and contend for peace and celebrate peace. Uh, Romans 12.1, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercy of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. That's your heads as well. Holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your rational act of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed and progressively changed. That is what we're looking for, by the renewing of our minds, so that we can prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. It is a process to be renewed. It is a process. The shaking off of that vanity of busyness, that desire to be important and recognise the culture that wants to stretch people, we need to fight the good fight and not be unnecessarily busy. There are influences in our life and we need to choose the Holy Spirit's influence. And as I said in the series, Sam's going to speak next about depth. Depth is a community, but depth within ourselves. What are the ways that we can hold on to this practically and tangibly? Because we want to be nourished by him so we can flow from an excess, not always in a deficit. I really love the fact that all of Paul's letters, within the first couple of verses of what he's writing, he says very significantly, grace to you and peace. That peace, that inner calm, that spiritual maturity, peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Every time he's greeting them, grace and peace to you. Grace and peace to you. Let that be our greeting to each other. Grace and peace to you. What we're saying, and I love that it's grace because we're going to need that to keep our peace. Grace and peace to you from God our Father. Not peace from doing a really great job and getting your list tick and doing your laundry and nailing it. But grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, the bringers and bearers of peace. So let's be carriers of grace and peace. Let's carry it with us. Let's talk about it. Let's foster it. There's a beautiful concept in Māori that I learnt in teacher training called hauora. 
And it just um, exemplifies this so well because it looks at tapafar, which is the four-sided model. And there is um, an integrated sense of strength and symmetry in health when it addresses these four areas. So we look at um, the need for connectedness in your physical well-being, and Sam's talked about that in terms of our lifestyles, our social well-being, that's our relationships, our spiritual well-being, and our mental and emotional well-being. Ho'ora is the connectedness of all those four things. When those four aspects of your life are in peace, then you are well. We need to look at our emotional side. We need to look at our mental side. We need to look at our social and our spiritual and our physical side. We need to bring all of those things together. And that's what we can do as a community and support each other. I'd like to finish slightly differently by um, praying over you and praying together. Um, There'll be time at the end if there's something that you would like prayer for to come up specifically and get prayer. But I'd like to pray... Um, as part of my journey, grace and peace to you from our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. So just as you are sitting, there'll be some pause for reflection, but just sit and um, reflect yourself on the things we've talked about. Thank you, Lord. Lord, your word says you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And your word says that the Lord, you give strength to your people and you bless your people with peace. Lord, we come before you again today as your people. We love you, we trust you, we seek to serve and honour you, and we need your peace again today. Lord, give us the grace to only have you as our source, to go to you as our peace, our wholeness, and as our restorer. We lay before you now our anxieties, our decisions, our busyness, our priorities, our serving in our hearts. Lord, as we lay those down, may you take up residence within us and fill us with your peace. Show us what's robbing us of your peace. We want to be a people that are ruled by your peace instead of our fears and worries. We open up ourselves to you now. Holy Spirit, transform us and heal us. Be with us as we journey towards your great, deep peace. Thank you for your strength and your protection and that you do guard our hearts and minds with your peace. Thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness, your healing power, your overflowing resources and your forgiving heart. Help us to be a community that is filled with your peace, a different peace than what the world offers, a haven for those around us who struggle and need a place of rest. Help us do this in joy as we journey together. So church, peace go with you. God's quiet within the noise. God's hope within the uncertainty. God's rest within the toil. And God's presence within your soul. Peace go with you. Amen.